welcome to Black Hollywood Live Conversations. We have the man, the myth, the legend, the director extraordinaire of Boys in the Hood, Higher Learning, and so much more. John Singleton is sitting down with us. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live Conversations. Remember this song? I'm sure you do. This is just the cut right here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TK Trandad. I will be your host today for Conversations, but it's not about me. It's about the legend right here, John Singleton. What's up, TK? How, How you, you doing? doing? How you doing? You like that. Huh? What's going on? I'm just happy to be here, be here with you. I you am know? beyond happy that you're here. I, I campaigned for this. Okay. I would have slashed some throats to get this. So thank you, thank just, you. Just to let you know. Thank um, you. So let's just start, start it off. So... Boys in the Hood, iconic film. In 2002, the United States Library of Cong- Congress deemed Boys in the Hood a culturally significant and selected it to be preserved in the Natural Film Registry. That was 26 years ago. Now, based off of everything that was that has been going on with police brutality and everything else, you know, do you think um, the movie is current and relevant for today? Uh, yeah, the movie's been relevant for a very long time. I mean, it, it could be it could have been made tomorrow. You know what I mean, or yesterday. Um, there's a lot of things I mean not just topical that are going on but just, just the, the nature and the culture and the, the vibe of it and stuff um, you know is still what's happening now yeah you, know? you touched on a lot of topics throughout all your like all your films you you know you touch on reverse racism and higher learning affirmative action police brutality gun control suicide was that something because I was you know a little bit younger that time I didn't see you know all the stuff that was going on at that time was that something that you were dealing with or you're seeing that was happening in those days and has it improved or I mean I same? just I I think when I do these movies I'm not thinking about like specifically attacking a topic or something it's just like I look at it's like I'm like making a record or making a song like I'm a musician but I'm making a movie I'm I'm I'm, I'm vibing on what's going on out there you know what I mean like yeah. you know like what's happening out there that's interesting that is concerning me that is uh you know hurting my heart or making me feel some type of way right so then i want to have characters go through a story that has you know some reality to it like you know i mean whenever we're making a movie it ceases to become reality it's just it becomes something we make up anyway right right but i'm like i try to i try to make what i what i call a hyper reality films that have characters that are very very embedded in real life situations mm-hmm. but the 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 reality that they're li- living to is kind of hyped up a little bit for the story that I'm trying to tell now you said you based um boys in the hood on your your life yeah just aspects of my life really the aspect of me going from living with my mother um, and me acting out as you know going into puberty, and uh, her being like, "Listen, I can, I'm not handling you right now. You're gonna, t- I'm gonna send your ass to your father." <laughs> so, and that changed my life. Right. And so, um, you know, um, that was the crux of me, of me writing that 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 film. Yeah. And directing I, it. I think we all have like defining moments where we can kind of look back and it's like, if I did this then I would be in a totally different direction. Yes, exactly. But you know, but we all look back and say. Wow. Okay, I'm happy that you came out the other end decent-wise. You know, because right. some people go through one thing changes their lives, and then it just it can make their 
them going a totally opposite direction that you know they never recover from right. but but when you go through something that is life changing and then you come out on the other end successful then you feel really more you know you, you feel powerful coming out of it so here's here's my question because this is what i think about a lot especially when you get attached to characters in books or movies where do you think trey would be right now <laughs> um i don't know he'd probably be a lawyer somewhere or whatever fighting for black lives matter uh, i'd hope <laughs> <laughs> and what about jody from ba baby boy jody <laughs> jody and yvette probably be on their life fifth baby <laughs> <laughs> right now and then and still uh, fighting and, and, then, uh, and fucking at the same time oh boy <laughs> he did ask before we started is this is like, internet is, is this internet is I can curse can I say whatever I want I can like, say what I want say whatever internet. you like oh, okay alright yeah <laughs> sorry mom we ain't on the broadcast no FCC regulations and then what about Malik from Higher Learning where do you think he would be Malik from Higher Learning um I don't know. Wow, you asked me kind of like odd questions. Like I never thought about that. But when I, when I make a movie, the characters in the movie, I'm, 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 I know that I know that like in the movies, most Hollywood movies, right? They end the movie and it's like self-contained. It's like okay, that's like you know that was that story, and then you they have a, a ending that's kind of like definitive, right? But I was in the movie with something that you always feel like these characters have a life of their own. So it's irony. Ironic that you're asking me questions about gotcha. my characters because I'm always ending it like, like in the Boys of Hood, you know, you, you know the father and son like, like Furious is mad at Trey because he thinks that he's everything he's taught him he's gone against. He thinks he's gone out and killed another black man, right? right? But he hasn't. He's actually done what his father told him to do, right? To think before he acts. Mm -hmm. But they don't have that conversation in the movie. But the audience knows that Trey is a man. Of merit, mm -hmm. but the father thinks he's failed. Right. You see what I'm saying? And you know, I remember when we did that, the studio was like, "Oh, can we ha we'll give you extra money if you have this one scene where they just sit and talk about?" It. I said, "No, no, that's not what it's about. It's about the audience feeling some type of way and knowing that the character has a, a life and done the right thing, but the father doesn't." So it's funny that you asked me those kind of questions, like, "What what would my character be doing, or whatever?" Because that that's what I've always gone for. I've, characters they live with you right you know so right, well well I, I don't really think about it afterwards you know i see what you're then saying i make it i make three more movies with those characters but i'm not a, i'm not a kind of guy that likes to revisit people I, people come to me all straight like you know what you need to do you need to make a boys in the hood too <laughs> yeah I don't... and i'll be like uh god like you're the fifth person that told me that today <laughs> for real i don't think that should go because it's such a classic but it's you've done such a great job in all those films that you know you just kind of wonder you know did they are i mean everybody's bound to make mistakes but where the are the mistakes gonna be big or small or life-changing and where they will be so you did uh, a wonderful job that I, way i know i mean the only movie i want to make a sequel to is uh probably four brothers you know we, we've been developing one for years i don't know right. if it'll ever get made Wal was, mark Wahlberg wants to do it and part of we it gotta was get it done though part so. of it was shot in uh, toronto wasn't it yeah yeah part of it yeah part of it was shot. i was actually an extra you were you in, were there in the basketball scene at the high school okay yeah okay, cool. so definitely yeah. so many so many things but um i want to bring up this movie this video i don't know if you can see it okay it's coming up right now which, which screen right here Okay. All right, let's go. 
Come on now. He's really under that. You know what? I won that race the first take. That's the second take that we did. Because the first time we did it, I won. And Pac said, let's do it again. And then that one, he won. Why are you playing that? <laughs> Is that, that what was fun. That's what you're sticking to? No, that's true. I, I don't have no reason to lie. I mean, that, the first time we did it, I won. The second time we did it, it was Rap City okay. for BT back right. in the day. You know, but it was all, it was good. It was having fun. It was just messing around like we used to. So do you think you can race today? Like, say, if I had my running shoes on and you can... I don't know. You got, you know, <laughs> your legs. I don't know how many legs in terms of my legs. I'm just saying, it might be a good little... Right. Well, we'll get outside in the studio. All right, we <laughs> get down, get down. Now, uh, speaking of, of Tupac, um, there was a point in time where you were in the mix of making the Tupac film, which is going to be coming out in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, so you had mentioned on uh, Instagram how reasons why you didn't, you chose not to make the movie. Yes. So what's, um, and you said that you're going to have a movie that's even better than the one that's going to come out. Yeah. So where's the plans for that? When, it, when it's I mean, when, when, you know, when the time is right, I'll make the movie. That movie needs to come out and they need to show how well they performed as filmmakers and in, 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 in terms of respect for the legacy of Tupac Amar Shakur. They need to show how well they did. And, and then, you know, I'll take it from there. So. Not. <laughs> so, so are you going to at least are you going to see the movie or are you just going to no, no I'm not okay. I can't I can't I can't I can't watch the movie okay so eventually that's a better big, bigger better version is definitely going to come out yes exactly so now you've worked with a lot of people so is there anybody that you want to work with that you haven't worked with just yet no really not really I mean there's nobody because I've had pretty much everybody I work with um, with the exception of Sam Jackson and Mark Wahlberg have been kind of like known, you know, unknown talent. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the person that like takes unknown talent and brings them to the fore and makes them movie stars. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I kind of enjoy that because, you know, unknown talent, they, they're happy just to really be in whatever they're doing. They'll, they'll, they'll bust their ass. They'll take off the clothes. Yep. They do whatever you want to do. Like, in the service of art because they're just free in their minds of what of what you know me as a director wants to do you mm -hmm. know what I mean as a storyteller so I kind of like that of working with like you know new people you know and the actors that are established that do that I will love you know I, I love for them to, you know when they work with me to be a free of mind too every, every you know people I always tell people when they get in this business only work with people that you trust don't work with people that you don't trust because people that you don't trust they don't have their best interests in heart and they'll they'll tell you whatever they want right and use you up and make you do things that you know that you'll be embarrassed in and in but i've never done that with anybody you know what i mean everyone who's worked with me has kind of gone on to ascension to, right. to other things you know so i want to really keep that keep that and then you've also you i mean if you, in a lot of your films you've reused a lot of characters um, a lot of people in your movies but what i've noticed is you know how sometimes an actor will the actor who doesn't do a well job you see the you see that same character in another movie even though they're supposed to be playing another character hmm. what i've noticed in your movies that you know for instance doughboy compared to fudge like two different two different people but yet yeah. you know and saying yeah. it's just such a um i, yeah. I don't know if that's more of a speaks on their acting ability but also the director or how do you I don't know just you know just different different you know different people that I like to work with and then we just say okay we're gonna go play and you play this kind of character you'll be different here you know and then as far as the movie industry from when you started to now 
has there been differences as far as dealing with people getting movies made it's much much more difficult to get films made than it is than it was um 20 some odd years ago when i was starting in my 20s um so i mean you know the movies that are made now mostly are, are, are you know comic book movies or or you know or certain types of you know fantasy films right you know in terms of like making like something that is going to have some cultural resonance in it like that deals with something that of um dicey material right you know? but then something comes out like you know that really is edgy at the right time and people go to it like you know like the movie get out it was mm -hmm. like one of the best movies of the year yeah but you know you know, on the surface of that, you know, people not people wouldn't necessarily. The, the studio was probably like, "Wait a minute, are you sure?" And then they said, "Okay, we'll, we'll do it." You know, and they saw it, and it's like, "Wow!" You yeah, know what I mean, was, it was definitely a good movie. So I'm yeah. assuming you saw it as well. Of course, yeah. of course, yes, definitely a good movie. So as far you said, there are differences. Is it more like financial wise or? No, I think it's more content wise. I mean, um, you know, the the nature whenever. Uh, film gets made they're always triggering out six Fridays from Sundays how they're going to make an investment back but also make remunerative returns on it mm -hmm. through multiple multiple platforms so they don't necessarily know how to codify that when it comes to to, to certain types of films you and, know and then um, last year we had the whole um, Oscars oh so white or mm -hmm. Oscars so white last year and this mm -hmm. year we had films um, that were more diverse. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think it was because of? Uh, no, because just this. That was the the year and a half that went from from two years ago to now. Just there were some great movies really made that deserved to be uh, honored, you know. And the year that the complaint also white, it was like it was a lot of movies that didn't deserve to be honored. Right. It's like you know that was that was bullshit to me. You know what I mean? Like you know, there's a couple movies that came and it's like. People complaining, oh, I didn't get nominated for an Oscar. Really? You didn't get nominated for an Oscar? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, the dude on the street, you know, asking for some money for some crack. He didn't get nominated for an Oscar either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so. <laughs> the, this is what I had noticed over a time period. There was kind of like, for instance, that whole, um, the, I don't know if it was like the late 90s where there was just a lot of black movies that were coming up that, you know, I grew up with that my parents showed me. And then it just seemed to be, you know, not so many. And then, you know, it goes up. It kind of ebbs and flows. Is that kind of just more of um, production companies are putting money into it or just the writing or? No, I, I just, just think that was just the cyclical nature of the business. Um, I mean, you can't call it, you know, who knows? I mean, a lot of you, you have a lot of uh, uh, people of color um, on film and TV right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've always felt that black culture is pop culture i mean whatever it is in music or fashion or um anything that is artistically based usually comes through the black community first right you know I mean, even language the way we bend the english language to our own devices and mm -hmm. and make up different things you know we make up different wor words and stuff you know what i'm saying you know, they get it added into Webster dictionary, and they get, yeah, and then they get added into Webster dictionary, and then they they get added in, in in lingo and stuff, right? You know, I mean, you know, the term "make it rain" went from the strip club to like <laughs> to Jimmy Fallon, you right. know, what I'm saying to like to like 
whoever, you know? And that's, and that's a good point. What do you think about that when... I, I don't necessarily have a, an issue with that as far as people I have no take issue it with public, it. but it's just more of I have people no issue with it. I just, where it comes from. I have no issue. Just people acknowledge that, you know, we make up the shit. Right. Like, okay, what? You know, like, and then people get appropriated in, um, in, um, in mainstream culture, and then it's square at that point, and mm-hmm. then we make up some other stuff. Right. But, uh, you know... But what about them not acknowledging, like for instance, boxer braids? Huh? Like people not acknowledging where that, where it came from. So for instance, cornrows have been a stable in the black community for a long period of time, and now all of a sudden, a Kardashian starts wearing boxer braids, and that's the newest thing. Oh. But it's been there forever. But that's just like when Bo Derek came out in the movie Ten in 1979 by the great um, comedic director Blake Edwards, and mm-hmm. she wore she wore braids, yeah. right? You know, and it was like, oh my God, she wore these beautiful like braids, which were from Africa and right. from Egypt before that. You know, Cleopatra wore braids like that with the beads and stuff, right? But you know, in pop culture, Cicely Tyson did it, you know, in the late '60s. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I have no problem with that because I feel like you know, I feel like um, that anything that is worth you know, worth enjoying, you know, culture wise and everything should be propagated amongst a lot of different people. And I have no problem actually with, okay, you got to get that to the black people because it's like, it just is what it is, you know? <laughs> I like that. You now, know? you mentioned that a lot of actors um, are now on the, the big screen and the small screen and on your IG, so the future is now in television and you have two shows that are going to be coming out yes. this year. Mm-hmm. What What do you think has happened where now... You know, everything, everybody was always talking about movies, but now, you know, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have Amazon, you have YouTube, you have all these, you know, places where you can create content. And now the big stars that we see in movies are now doing television. How do you, what do you make of that shift? It's great. It's good. Um, there's a lot more stories being told, a, a divorce um, um, mixture of stories being told on multiple levels and multiple platforms. And um, I look at it as like there's just, more mini movies that are being made. I mean, when I do television, my whole goal is to is to do what I've done in features, where you know you're not just watching one of my shows like, and then you like don't watch it again. Right. Like you know, like when Baby Boy comes on, certain things people just watch it over and over again, and they see something new out of it, mm-hmm. or they watch one of my mo- our movies and stuff, and they watch over. I want that for me in television. That's my brand. My brand is to like do the kind of shows that people watch and be like. I cannot believe I'm watching this shit on TV. Oh my god, they 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 did this. They let this go on TV. Like, wow, roll that back, roll that back. <laughs> and then they come back off. next week, and then next week, or they buy it, they order it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they see something in it. That's what I want for for television. I don't make what's known as like programming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I make I make seminal statements. You know, you know, even okay. with the long arc of the of, of the season, but also with every episode, there's something in there like. But that's in there that people be like, oh man, you know, and that and that's what we have. I'm always doing when with the writers or when we're shooting it or whatever. It's got to be something that just like gets people charged and like hot, like you know. I mean, Game of Thrones is like that, right? Right. So like, there's nobody, you know, of color doing that. Black just be like, but they just you just watch a lot. Nine times out of ten, people are just happy to watch see a reflection of themselves on TV. They like, mm-hmm. oh wow, okay, they just watch and they're looking at. The television, because a lot of people look at television and they just blank out, yep. and they they look at it like music. Mm-hmm. So they're not really engaged with the story. 
they're just happy to see a reflection of themselves. That's why people for many, many years went to movies that the movies were halfway adequate, but they like they tolerated. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it was. I never expounded that. I've, I've always said like, you know, if you make something really, really good and it has something that galvanizes whatever audience, even a core audience, a core black audience, everybody's going to run to it because there's something different about yeah. that thing. There's yeah. something different there, you know? Yeah, I actually covered the, the quad, and what I noticed, especially with BET, and I also covered the new edition that came out, mm-hmm. the the writing, the directing, the shows that are coming out on BET now are so... The, the stories are great, the visuals are amazing, and it's something totally different than, you know, BET has had before, mm-hmm. which leads me into your show that's coming out. Rebel. Rebel. I saw the commercial for this a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, ooh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people are going to have problems with, with with this. Have you had any problems? What do you mean? What do you mean? Problems? What do you mean? Pro- why? Problems? Why? Not Because a black woman got jugged. Because a black woman black, walking on the street and pumps and a gun. Pumps and a gun and a fro. Pumps and a gun and a fro. So yes. What? What? What's wrong with that? So have you received what? any backlash? No, ain't no backlash okay. about that. Because okay. every every black woman that's looking at that trailer and everything is like, like, that's me. That's how I feel right now. Even though right. they don't they don't have that, be like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. You know, I want to go bust on some terrorists. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Like that. They, they, they're living vicariously through that. And okay. so that my whole thing is like, we're going to do what nobody else is going to do. So people will, just like you go to the movie theater and you're watching something good on TV, you want to talk at the screen. Right. Well, you're going to be home talking at the screen like, look at this bitch. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. Let me see. Did she Did she say that? Did she do that? Oh, my God. Wait, wait, hold on. You sound just like That's huh? why I don't go to movie theaters because what? I talk at the movie theater. I talk theater. to the screen. I, I talk when I'm on the set directing. I'm like a I'm like a thick black chick sitting up there <laughs> eating some popcorn with, um, you know, people eat popcorn with hot sauce on it. Oh, my right? God. You know who does that? Janet Jackson does that. Really? Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. So I, I don't eat popcorn with hot sauce, but I'm just making a metaphor. So <laughs> I just sit up and I'm 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 making the actors do what I think that the audience is gonna respond to and get loud on, right? right. And then we edit it together, and we're in the editing room, and I, I'm trying to get that moment, and I know, you know what I mean. You got my attention. I got your attention. Yeah, because I think I'm an assassin every like I like going to the gun range. Like that's <laughs> Damn, she's she's she, dangerous. Yeah, she's speaking. I don't want to date you. <laughs> Piss you off. Yeah, don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so she she she's definitely, you know, speaks to me, but <laughs> it's just that, you know, people are afraid of me uh-huh. because of my stature and you know, I have to soften it a little bit for some folks, but it's just kind of like I, I don't think black people have an issue for that. I just yeah. think everybody else. If there's yeah, but any shit, issue, you know. we're trying to do what's not being done. Mm-hmm. So we got to go balls out. There's no softening this around. And I don't do that in my movies anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't like, I don't think I should have to do that in television. I mean, the grit stuff on television that's being made cross-culturally, whether or not it's funny or dramatic or action-wise, it's going balls out, you mm-hmm. know? When I had an opportunity to work well on... Um, on uh, Ryan Murphy's uh, People vs. O.J. Simpson, they were like, go balls out, right. right? They wrote it. It was so well written. I didn't hardly have to do anything, but we'll just work with the actors. And you're watching that show, and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe. And so that was a great the race card. kind of tutelage for me. You know, and even before that, like when, um, when I directed an Empire, you know, like I was like, okay, we're going balls out. You know, we're going to like put some stuff in here. Because, right. you know, it was the first season before starting, like, 
that's what I that's what I want to do with everything I do within the, the, the television space. And so with Rebel, it was all about really having a character who is yes, she is very very strong, but she's humor, she's funny, she's very very vulnerable. You know, she has you know fits of depression. Mm-hmm. You know, she has fits when she's really really up. You know, she's she's not one note. She's human. She's human. Right. You know what I mean? She's not just a chick that's just like got it all together. Right. She's not playing a stereotype. Exactly. And I, you know, like, and I think that the 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 other form of stereotype is that 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 sister that just got it all going on and doesn't have any problems at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You know, and I think that we we want to really have somebody that people can live vicariously through every week that they're just like wow like this is somebody that's close to their heart like that like they're watching their friend their friend girl on tv mm-hmm. so you know, cross-culturally like not just the sisters like everybody but like you know like whoa okay i yeah. get her i get her i get her now i haven't gotten i'm you know i don't have the i don't have the i'm not the big dog to have seen the show just yet however based yeah. off of the commercials and everything like that do you think that that's what the community needs right now a rebel type person to i think i think they need you know we need a, we need a a dozen rebels, a hundred rebels, a thousand rebels. We need people that really, you know, can come to action, you know, not to be be so passive about mm-hmm. everything that's being thrown to us. You know, um, I think that we're in, at a time where a lot of people are afraid, but why are you afraid? Like, it, you know, things, things, you know, things are like, you know, only going to get better if we fight. Right. You know what I mean? We've got to continue to fight against, yeah. against uh, in any type of oppression. Yeah, I think that's the the great thing that I I like about your movies. It's not only because you kind of insert, you have the enjoyment and the action and, you know, everything, the rawness of it, but then you also insert, like, tidbits of, you know, kind of like the revolution will not be televised type thing. Yeah, I'm I'm a revolutionary, baby. I was born in 68, so, and raised on Gil Scott Heron and... You know, and <laughs> yeah, my, you know, protest music and everything and stuff. And that's how I grew up. My dad, you know, I grew up as a kid, you know, even before I turned double digits, reading Iceberg Slim. Oh, well, yeah, so it's just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah, I was yeah, very, yeah. I was surrounded with that. <laughs> Iceberg so Slim, yeah, Iceberg Slim. You hardcore. <laughs> that tuck, that's that was my dad. And that's funny. Goins. It's funny. I watched your movies now. I watched them back. I was like, I can't believe my parents let me watch it because it was so graphic for somebody that how young I was at the time and now I watch it back and I see all the things that I miss now that you know I'm an adult so I'm, I'm responsible for damaging you as a child is that what you're saying no not at all you are responsible <laughs> for the reason like I told you I, I went to school because of you okay higher thank learning you, thank you Miss Deja she she got me on point I ran away from home got my scholarship to University of Oregon because that, of that that's movie. good that's great so that's beautiful I tip my cap to you well, thank you um so you have another uh, show that's coming out snowfall which is going to be coming on fx yes so it's about crack uh, the crack cocaine epidemic in los angeles in what's, 1983 what's really about no it's about cocaine that transitions into crack okay it's like you know you know because crack became became chic because cocaine was a drug that you can you couldn't really get unless you had money mm-hmm. and so there was a moment in time where there were there was a proliferation of cocaine that came into California. You know, everybody knows the Scarface story, mm-hmm. you know, the Narcos thing, mm-hmm. right? But they don't know the whole thing about how the, the cocaine pipeline was opened up into California. So it's like, where it's like, they look at crackers like a really good piece of meat, like filet mignon, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like McDonald's. 
and like people can cut it up and do whatever and 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 they rock it up with some other, and people can smoke it and it 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 changed everything it changed changed the social landscape it changed the, the laws in the united states it changed pop culture um it changed it changed my life and changed lives of my friends and everything in south south central los angeles mm-hmm. you know but i've always wanted to see that story because we always hear about you know miami and new york and what was going on then but right. you know and and I wanted to really show how L.A. really was then. And it's, you know, it's it's South Central, East L.A., and the San Fernando Valley. Okay. I mean, my lead character learns how to sell, sell cocaine, not crack, cocaine. He learns the drug game from an Israeli guy. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's like really, really a kind of a multi-ethnic, you know, mix of people who are all in this drug business in different ways in their, in their, their kind of lives and their social thing and stuff, right? And how everybody in this is going to get destroyed from their just involvement in it. Pretty much, yeah, because you look at any other, like, shows, um, they either talk about the effect of it on the community or the aftermath of it, but they don't really talk about how it yeah, how it happened yeah. here. And it's crazy because, you know, as damaging as it was, it was a fun, sexy time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're showing, really, on this show. Like, you know, like, it's, you know, it's... I remember just, I, I could just make it like you know how it was in the '90s and stuff when when I first started out in the film business and we would like we go to a party and be like well you know you know somebody somebody probably gonna get shot tonight right I said yeah I says but we going to that party anyway right yeah it's like yeah wow. it's like it's like the, it's like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about right it's a trip when you're young you don't give a fuck you're like okay fine I'm just gonna get my groove on anyway I, something gonna happen tonight but it ain't gonna be me. <laughs> right? That's what it is. That's what the whole game is. Wow. I <laughs> <laughs> totally different, totally different. Wow. I can't even you just stumped me on that one. Um <laughs> as far as projects are concerned, how do you pick your projects like either the movie projects or TV projects? I pick what I'm passionate about, what I want to spend time in, what I want to spend months and years of my time in that I feel like emotionally attached to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do things just because, okay, I'm going to get a check and it's whatever. You, it doesn't, doesn't sustain me. It's, what sustains me is like doing the stuff is like, okay, this would be fun to do. Mm-hmm. And then and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with this because whatever I do, I'm living it. I'm living it almost 20 hours a day if I'm doing Now, as far as um, do you have any projects like writing-wise that you're kind of working on that you can tell us about? No. I try. It's now, a secret. <laughs> I'd have to choke you. What? <laughs> I, can, I, I can, for 20 seconds, I can work it out. Okay. Um, now, if you weren't writing and directing, what do you think you would be doing? Um, I don't know. Well, Ryan, Robin Banks. Robin Banks? Yeah. <laughs> could be like a Bonnie and Clyde. Like I, can shoot I always people, wanted to be a bank robber. I always threatened to say, if I wasn't, if I didn't fill my dream of being a filmmaker, I would have made a good bank robber. Even in today's society with all the technology and the cameras and the... I don't really hear it. it, could, it there's still people robbing banks. Even yeah. when I was checking around, there's people, people getting away with robbing banks. Okay. We, and people doing it in a way in which you never knew that they actually robbed a bank. We got a president that robbed banks. We robbed a whole lot of banks. Let's just be real about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's that's all subjective. It's right. not just about walking in a damn bank with a gun and say, "Give me, give me that damn money." Oh, There's a whole okay. lot of people that are, you know. So you mean like the IT swing of things? And I'm just saying, whatever. I can hear the music playing as you're like tapping away, and then you're off on your boat somewhere in Africa. 
<laughs> the Shesel, the Shesel Islands. Now, Thomas Crown, Thomas Crown affair. <laughs> now, um, there have been a lot of. I, I know my my mom has talked about this a lot. As far as there's, there have been a lot of slave narratives that have like happened over throughout the years. Do you? think that's a story that we should still tell on top of everything else? Or yes, do you think I think we need to have at least two or three slave movies every year. Two or three? Yeah, because I, th- I think that generation needs to understand that, you know, that's why I'm happy that we have the show Underground as well because from where we are now to where we've gone, where we've gone, I don't think I think this generation, the last two generations of black people are too damn passive about mm-hmm. uh, the gains that we've had and so that they're not really trying to get even further. Right. I mean, it's like people celebrate ignorance. No, I don't read. Mm-hmm. You know, motherfucker, people died to be able to read, and for vote. you to be able to, well, yeah, to vote, but also to be kept money. There's a time when you go to a store and you, somebody give, you give them, you give them something costs 15 cents and you give them 25 cents and they don't, they give you a nickel back. And you had to be, you knew you were old a nickel, mm-hmm. but you have to ask yourself, do I ask for that nickel and risk my life or do I let it go and be exploited? Right. And that's why, you know, like, that's why, like, I, if I, you know, I love it that, like, my mother, like, had to put herself through college and she was going through um, school and, like, the library became my babysitter. If my library was, I've been in the library when I was a kid. I don't know. I'd probably be in 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 lockup, federal custody, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I probably would have done a lot of stuff, been misguided, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I probably because where I'm from, a lot of people are taught to be time bombs. Let's be black, young black men. You are taught to be like have like a I don't give a fuck attitude. Yep. Like I'll chump you off. I'll chump anybody that just looks at me wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you you human time bomb. So I'm saying that I was taught not just by my mother, but my father, my extended family, like. And you say, like, I have this revolutionary guy. The people that I looked up to, they were smart. You couldn't mess with them mentally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They had a physical prowess, too. You know, you can put them hands, but it was a, it was a, it was a mental thing, too. Yeah. So that come from that generation. So I'm, I'm trying to, like, make sure that people have a respect for that. Not for, you know, like, um, you know, not for just the whole aspect of celebrate ignorance. I've never celebrated dysfunction and ignorance in any of the films I've ever done. Or mm-hmm. any, I celebrate like, you know, of of unity, of brother and sister, you know, of black people and then extend it to everyone else. Right. I've always done that. And so um, if anything, you know, that's that's one of the things thing that I like to get out within my work. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's a celebration of, of truth. It's the honesty of you know what's happening at the moment and beyond that versus a lot of people just take take a situation and almost bastardize it like and then you know glorify that situation instead of saying this is what we could do beyond yeah that. exactly you know so here's a question what do you want to most be remembered for me mm-hmm. um other than robbing banks i didn't rob any banks <laughs> not yet I'm not gonna rob any banks. Um, just that I kept it real, man. I mean, like you know, I kept it real. That's what that's what I'm all about. You know, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't want to get into this business. I got into the business at an early age, like 22 years old, start making movies, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was good for me because I really, really 
took it at heart as thought of myself as an artist. I didn't think of myself as a, I didn't think of this as a business. I never thought, even with the money, I never thought about it like, okay, now I can say something. I can, I can do some different things. I can do, I can watch everything that's done and then I can go the other way and do something different. I can have a different narrative to how I'm trying to create things. So my whole thing is just to keep that, keep that going on and then really, really do it for fun and, and have enjoyment in it. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm, that's what I always try to hold, hold on to. And then what's your advice for uh, young people wanting to get into the industry? Learn how to make your own stuff because nobody's going nobody's to call you. Don't wait for that phone call. Just do it on your own, you know. Okay. All right. So last part. I have some rapid fire questions. <laughs> okay. As if the other ones weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say, say I'm going to ask a question. You just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Mm-hmm. Got the music playing. Thank you. Oh, All right. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> last movie you saw. Uh, get out. Always early or always late? Always early. Last person you text? Last person I text? Mm-hmm. Damn, what was the last person I text? Um, I, oh, it's funny. The irony was uh, Morris Chestnut, because I just saw him on the beach just now. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Morris. <laughs> um, last show you binge-watched? Last show I binge-watched was Narcos. Oh, yeah, I was going. Um, if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? My last meal on death row? Um, ooh, Roscoe's chicken and waffles. <laughs> I you, hope I don't be on death row. <laughs> if you were a crayon, what color would you be? If I was a crayon, I would be burnt orange. Okay. And <laughs> one, one, word to dis- one word that describes you? Me? Um... One word that's right, man. Fierce. Fierce, okay. And then, what's your favorite uh, film or show that you've made? I don't have a favorite film or show, okay. but I can't answer like, that. like my children, yeah. My All kids. right. Uh, favorite Walter, Mo- Walter Mosley book? Oh, that's a good one. He's a friend of mine. Um, my favorite Walter Mosley book is uh, Cinnamon Kiss, actually. Okay. Favorite Tupac song? My favorite Tupac song is, um, hey, look at you, that's hard to be there. Um. Damn, it really stumped me with that because there's so many different ones. Um. Uh, keep your head up. And favorite Spike Lee film? Do the right thing. There you have it, Mr. John Singleton. You ask everybody those questions. That's your that's your thing, like well, rapid fire yeah. question yeah, thing. When I, when I make it to Oprah status, that will be my. Okay, thing. all right. Did I did I were they good good questions? Yeah, it was good. Good questions. Yeah, it was good. Well, thank you so much. You understand this for sitting down with me. Okay, really, really yeah. appreciate it. It was good. It was good stuff. We found out a lot more things about you. So yeah, I know. I said some shit I never told nobody before. <laughs> yes. On the internet. <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you for th- sitting <laughs> sitting down with me. Black Hollywood Live Conversations, where Hollywood is redefined. We'll catch you later. Okay. Bye-bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined.
The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.